This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters where we talk about all things property and in this week's show we've got the latest Real Estate Institute of New Zealand data relating to Manawatu Wanganui for the month of December. As well as that there's a lot of local news in the show today of things that are happening in terms of property around this region. And as well as that, we'll have a look at the market and just see where things are at. So let's get into it. The headline for the December Real Estate Institute of New Zealand Stats says, A lack of properties for sale is putting pressure on house prices and speeding up sales. So the median house price across New Zealand increased by 19.3% from 628000 in December 19 to 749 in December 2020. During December, there were 11 regions who saw record median prices. While ours wasn't a record, the... Oh, I beg your pardon. <laughs> it was a record. Where did I get that from? Uh, December was a record. It was actually the sixth consecutive, consecutive month of record median prices. So Manawatu Wanganui over the last 12 months has increased 31.3% to 402000 which it was in December of 2019, to 528,000 in December 2020. So it's a massive increase across our region, $126,000 added to the median house price in one year. So really incredible changes there indeed. I'll just break that down a little bit more uh, shortly, but first of all I just wanted to mention some of the other areas that have been performing exceptionally well on a year-to-year basis. The worst region has gone up 12.7%, um, and that's Nelson, which is quite incredible, Although and Tasman, around about the same, they're 11.5%. And then you've got the other extreme, which is Gisborne, that's gone up virtually 44% in one year. Uh, as I mentioned, one or two, Wanganui, 31%, and some other big players, Hawke's Bay at 27%, and the West Coast at 32 So some huge increases year on year. Also, less properties relatively for sale. Lots of sales happening. People are buying. There's just not so many up uh, available for people as the stocks start to dwindle. You see, people aren't listing houses. They're, they're generally holding on to them at the moment. So the median house price has a record in the Horafanua district, up from 385 to 525 one or two from 450 to 550 in one year, and Ruapehu, 280,000 to 350. And Palmas North City has gone up from 495,000 median to 610. Massive increase there. And also Wanganui District from 305 up to 410. So amazing if you have property, not good news if you're trying to buy property as those prices keep rising really significantly. So what's been happening in property uh, locally? Palmas North, of course, many of you will know by now that the Broadway Ave karaoke venue, China Inn, uh, also a restaurant, had shut its doors on New Year's Eve. And so now they're moving on. Danny Young has been cleaning up the building and it's going to be an Italian restaurant, Portofino, 
uh, at the end of the month. So uh, Danny's retiring, real institution in this region, and uh, it was strange to think that China Inn, after being there for so long, will be memories after this point. So it's been a, a special place that will be becoming Portofino Italian restaurant, and we wish those folks all the best. In other news, developers are being sought to build a new Yukol Health Education Centre. They're looking at building this on King Street, and they've called for expressions of interest to buy the property it owns, which includes PSA House, and develop it to a new education centre for healthcare and social assistance courses. It had earlier applied to the government's Shovel Ready Projects Fund for help with the likely $8 million project, but was unsuccessful. So the Chief Financial Officer Brian Trott said it was looking for a developer to carry out the earthquake strengthening work to create a purpose-built facility. Uh, he says that his preference is to, for UCOL to focus on education, so to get some developers in to do the rest. They want to enter into a long-term lease rather than own and build the facility and think that's a great opportunity for the right developer. At the moment, the UCOL's health and social assistance courses are developed at spaces scattered around the central city campus. The new facility is previously pitched as having a capacity for 500 students, which would be a 50% increase on current enrolments. And I didn't realise this, but health education makes up about a third of UCOL's activity, including courses in nursing, medical imaging technology, community health and social services. So it'll be interesting to see how they can uh, fit that in. There's expressions of interest, and we'll see in February how that goes. Another local news here, Palmerston North, this headline from Stuff, a gap in Palmerston North's residential zone is being plugged. So there's an orphan block of land along Palmerston North Napier Road, and it's about to finally join surrounding properties and wear a residential label. Resource Management Commissioners have released a decision rezoning 10.6 hectares of industrial and rural land, which lies between Napier Road and an Oxbow, Roberts Line and Napier Road Drain. The Hearing Commissioners Panel Chair Chris Mitchell said the plan change B changing the city's district plan was seen as resolving a zoning anomaly. The site of the Booper Retirement Village was zoned industrial with a development allowed under a separate consenting process. The balance of the land along the one kilometre strip included homes, a garden centre, a tree nursery and was surrounded by residential land. But the commissioners said the area had significant development challenges and the likelihood of it being subdivided up into 50 lots was not expected in the short term. One of the challenges for residential development was the proximity to Napier Road, which continues to function as a state highway with a speed limit of 80 kilometres per hour. The City Council's hope is that that will become a local road, but the NZTA was unable to confirm when and if that might happen. The commissioners said they thought it was highly unlikely that development would go ahead until the Napier Road becomes a local road. And the land was also problematic because of flood risks from the Manawatu River and local rainfall events. So the need to provide raised building platforms would provide even more challenges for stormwater management. At the back of the area is a Oxbow Lagoon, which was receiving runoff from other developments in the area. It was recognised by Horizons Regional Council as a threatened habitat. So the plan was for the lagoon and the escarpment above it to be rezoned for conservation and amenity, invested with the City Council as a reserve at the stage when development occurred. 
So that's going to be interesting. So you can have a look on uh, a bit of Google Maps overhead, overhead view there to get a bit better idea of uh, where we're talking about. But um, certainly uh, that you can see the Oxbow uh, Lake on those. Another local article here. This is uh, from stuff.co.nz Paul Mitchell. It's entitled Waste of Space. Former fisherman's table site fails to net a new tenant for over a decade. So it was once the catch of the day, but the former fisherman's table site hasn't hooked a tenant in over a decade. Used to enjoy having family meals there back in the day. Its size and location are outstanding, but also daunting, the writer says. So he feels that the space left behind by a landmark Palmerstorff restaurant has become a realtor's white whale, stubbornly remaining empty for 12 years. Now it's above Fitzherbert Ave and Church Street, and overlooks Timurayo Hine, the square, for 27 years, a purpose-built second-story designed for the family restaurant. So many former customers remember it fondly, uh, even though years after a tide of changing dining trends and a global financial crisis swept it away. The business went into voluntary liquidation in 2009, a four-lease sign has been there ever since. So it is actually an outstanding site, but... Uh, one of the biggest barriers for people renting is actually the upfront costs. The renovations needed inside the 649-square-metre space are extensive, and though some of that expense would fall to a landlord. So that's just a, an update there. I guess no, no real news there. It's a bit like the High Flyers building, um, the old post office building, which I spoke about last week, just sort of sitting there in a bit of a limbo. So we're actually going to go slightly early to a song this week and then after that we'll be talking about how to get the best price when selling your house in 2021. But first of all, the music to for the halftime break, Nirvana, Come As You Are.
Welcome back. You're listening to Property Matters on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, Te Reo, Irirangi o Ngā Tangata o Manawatu. I'm Greg Watson. It's lovely having your company. And as I mentioned before the break, we're just going to talk a little bit now about selling your house in 2021 and how to get the best price. This is actually based on an article on stuff.co.nz in the home section by Miriam Bell. So I'll read a little bit from that, but I'll also make some comments as I go. So if you're thinking of selling your house, 2021 could be the year to do it, but experts say there are certain steps vendors should take to ensure they get the best price. With the housing market running red hot and showing no signs of slowing down, aspiring buyers and real estate agents alike are crying out for more properties to come on the market. This means it could be an opportune time for those considering putting their property up for sale. Certainly in this region, it's the best time since around 2008 when the market dropped. So it's a very strong market at the moment says that while times of limited stock do make for easier, faster sales, they don't always necessarily equate to people getting the best price possible. And we'll talk a little bit about the things that we can do to help improve that. Because there is quite a difference between flicking off a property quickly based on the first offer or putting a bit of time and effort in to really maximise the sale. So what should homeowners uh, who want to get the most out of a sale do? Here are some of those things. So they spoke to a number of experts in this article. So the first point is to do your homework and get it done early. So first up, Real Estate Institute of New Zealand CEO Bindi Norwell says sellers should make sure they've done some research to understand their local market. She says not all three-bedroom, two-bathroom properties are created equal, so having a really good idea of what's available in the surrounding neighbourhoods and what the competition looks like will stand you in good stead when it comes to sell. Century 21 owner Darren Main says putting a price on your property can make a huge difference, particularly for entry-level properties. And that's because first-home buyers are now avoiding properties without a price. They have a budget and they're tired of going into multi-offer situations and being blown out of the water. Not advertising an asking price can benefit a vendor, but it also runs a risk of putting off many potential buyers who think it's just too hard or beyond them. So my opinion here, folks, is you should always always have a price indication of some sort. People need some guidance because I know even working within the industry, if I'm turning the pages of a property magazine and it says buy negotiation or auction or something on these lines with no price indication, I really have no idea. I just flick on to the next property. So a real crucial thing about advertising your property is to give some idea of where it's at. It doesn't mean you have to have a fixed price and work downwards, just to have to have an idea of where things are at. Another sensible thing to do is to sort out any essential legal requirements before putting your property up for sale. And this might include getting a LIM report, or here in uh, Manawatu they have the Residential Property Information Inquiry, which is uh, probably uh, more relevant to identify any outstanding issues and then rectifying them or completing any lingering building code requirements. Being organised in this way allows you to avoid any headaches over the problem during the sales process, Ray White, Mount Eden owner Jared Cooksey says. It gives you breathing time and makes everything less messy. So that's where you can provide that for buyers to show that things are okay. 
It's a real shame if you put your home on the market, you get a lot of interest, you get a fantastic price, and then something is discovered which is going to effectively stop that deal. Another point here is first impressions really do count. So the next point of action for any vendor is an oldie, but it's a goodie. You must look at the presentation of your property, and remember, first impressions count. Norwell says, this means making sure your property has good street appeal, that you've done all those odd jobs around the house you've been meaning to get to over the years. For the front of the house, it's necessary to have mowed the lawns, tidied the garden, removed any foliage touching the house, swept the driveway and dealt to the surrounding berms. It also involves taking care of repair jobs which are not exciting but are critical and often overlooked, Cooksley says. So tackle such things as windows with cracks, water ingress in bathrooms and lights. Getting a fresh paint job and replacing carpets are two of the most effective ways to increase the appeal of a property. This means agents can encourage these steps uh, but the one thing that can't be avoided is a deep clean. Cooksley says a professional clean might cost a couple of hundred dollars but can make all the difference. In fact, preparing the house for sale might cost from about 500 to a couple of thousand dollars if something major is required, but that investment could add around ten to $20,000 to its value. So I'm just going to throw one in here uh, midway through this article of my own, which is to, if you're selling an empty home, then consider staging the home with furniture. There are companies that stage homes, and from my experience, this is anecdotal, but nevertheless, um, based over several years of staging properties, if you spend a couple of thousand dollars to stage a property, it usually adds ten to twenty thousand uh, to the sales price. In my experience, because those first impressions really do count. Here's the next one: formal presentation is everything. So, when it comes to the formal presentation of your property for marketing photos and open homes, the key word is actually declutter. And, and while you may love all your lifelong treasures and family photos, most people don't. So decluttering a full house makes a huge difference, as does staging an empty one. Then there's little things. If the front door stamp needs a paint, paint it. If the doormat is tatty, replace it. It's simple stuff, but it really sets the tone. It's also important to depersonalise the property so that potential purchaser can see themselves living in the house, rather than feeling like they're visiting someone else's property. So Bindi Norwell says to try and make the property feel as neutral as possible and consider staging your house in order to really sell the dream of your home and try to create the best first impression possible. And she does go on to say it's important to note that staging is an easy option if property is vacant, but not if you're living in the house. However, there are halfway solutions whereby a staging company can rearrange your furniture to present the property in its best light. Next advice about selling your property in 2021 is to pick a good agent and take their advice. So opting for a private sale may seem like a good idea. In fact, in a very busy market, people think, oh, it's easy, we can sell anything. But recent research from the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand found that using an agent could net you up to 15% more for your property than selling privately. And that's because a good agent has specialised knowledge of the local market, selling, marketing and negotiating skills, and a network of useful contacts. Cooksley says, Many people who sell privately think they've done well, but they don't know what they could have achieved with professional help. For vendors wanting to get the best possible price for their biggest asset, an agent makes all the difference even in a buoyant market like this one. 
He says that when houses are selling quickly, people tend to rush in and too many people just take the first offer. But they don't need to in this market. A good agent will know if the offer is a good one or whether you can hold out for more. So really in terms of a good strategy at the moment is to try and, and any agent will try and get into a multiple offer situation. And what we're finding in Manawatu, Wanganui, Palmerston North as well, is that we're getting multiple offers and, of course, we can't disclose what offers are between different uh, people. But you can encourage people to put in your best offer and some of the variations upwards are quite huge, particularly if you find somebody who's missed out several times and doesn't want to miss out again, they'll pay a very high price. And so having an agent who can create that competition is really important. So do some research, identify a few agents who seem to have a good track record and interview them. It's important you find out about their recent sales and assess their professionalism, but also to see if you get along with them. Trust and communication are important, but you need to be open to feedback and take an agent's advice on board. They're selling homes all the time, and uh, therefore it's important that uh, you can take that advice and use it to really benefit yourself in terms of prices. Another one that I'll just add in here that I think is important is to make sure that you get your property out in front of as many people as possible who are likely to love your home as you possibly can. Because that's when you really get a fantastic price. I think uh, many of us would have, in the past, if we're buying a property, uh, paid a little bit more if we found a property that we absolutely love. So you need to use the best possible methods. And this can be a combination. You see, we can't always determine exactly what would be best to attract the buyer to your home. Uh, We have information statistically, of course, but why not give them the option? Give them a 3D model of the home, high quality, high resolution, that they can walk around and experience in case they're transferring into the area and it's difficult to visit. Give them a walkthrough video so they can see what the layout of the home is like with commentary on features and benefits. Make sure that you're marketing in the places that people will see uh, Facebook, uh, the internet, um, through Google searches or through uh, portal sites like realestate.co.nz and TradeMe. So getting your property out there in the best possible way um, is fantastic. Uh, I highly recommend 3D virtual tours and that's something to help uh, that means that you the homes normally sell up to three times more quickly historically, although they're all selling quickly at the moment, but as well as that uh, for a, a much better price because it was really creating that competition, getting people who love the home and that will pay more. Finally, this article from newshub.co.nz, a property expert rubbishes claims that house prices are becoming unaffordable and says they'll keep going up through 2021 and that's certainly my thoughts for uh, this region at least. Property market expert says a prediction house prices will stop rising in 2021 because no one can afford them isn't true. The cost of borrowing and servicing a mortgage for property is actually cheaper than ever, Ashley Church told News Hub, but with purchase prices at record highs, most people don't realise it. Analysts CoreLogic on Tuesday said prices would continue to rise in the first half of this year, but it can't go on forever. Later in 2021, the potential flow and impact of such strong growth will eventually be outright unaffordability, reducing the pool of buyers able to borrow enough to participate in the market, its house price index said for December. At this point, 
there will need to be an adjustment of expectations from both vendors and buyers. So house prices surged to record highs in 2020, ignoring the pandemic and recession as interest rates fell and supply failed to keep up with demand. Church, who used to head the Property Institute of New Zealand, said, unlike past booms, this one's causes are obvious. Every time there's been an increase or the beginning of a boom, the property prices have started to take off again. There have been all sorts of phantom causes that have been put out by various parties. What happens is they spend a couple of years being percolated and eventually the government passes legislation and we find out down the track they're not actually the real causes. A good example of that would be the foreign buyers ban, which addressed an issue that actually didn't exist. So what's different this time is that causes are being attributed to are the real reason. Church, who has previously said there's nothing the government do, can do to stop house prices going up and that they shouldn't try, expects them to keep going up through 2021, defying CoreLogic's predictions that will stop due to unaffordability. He says that's not going to happen because the cost of servicing a mortgage is actually less than it was 15 or 20 years ago. Uh, he says, I know that's a strange thing when, to say when you consider house prices have increased so dramatically, but the cost of interest has come down so dramatically. Church says in the 1990s, thanks to higher interest rates, it cost 52% of a household income to service a mortgage, and that's fallen to 37. So it's actually getting cheaper to buy property, not dearer. So that's quite interesting perspective there. And, uh, and that's where a 20% deposit on the median house price now would have been enough to buy the house outright in 2026. So the houses are definitely getting more expensive. However, um, there won't be any changes that I can foresee in 2021 on a downwards trend things will just continue to go up so good news for people that own properties and actually for those looking to buy if you can get over that initial deposit hurdle the repayments are more affordable than they used to be thanks so much for listening this week i'm greg watson it's been lovely having your company here on property matters at npr or where all good blogs are found Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.